You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord Welcome back to Cross Section. I'm Kevin Jensen. Glad you're here with us for another episode of The In Between, the topic of our Wednesday morning senior adults and friends Bible study. We are in section 8, part H, Demons, Pigs, and Jesus. We're going to dive deeply into a single story in this lesson, the story of Jesus encountering a man who was possessed by a group of demons that called themselves Legion. And when they encountered Jesus, they were terrified, and they fled with Jesus' permission into a herd of pigs. All kinds of strange implications uh, from this story. Uh, We're going to ask about... uh, why did the demons think that Jesus might torture them? Why did they uh, ask not to be sent into the abyss? What's that about? Uh, Which is more important to God, human beings or animals? What does this story say about that? All kinds of other questions, too. But we're we're coming to all kinds of fascinating uh, stories and teachings in Scripture about the in-between realm as we uh, work through the stories and teachings of the Bible on this topic, looking at that realm where uh, angels and demons dwell, and the devil and heavenly and dark powers, and even the spirits of the dead as they await the resurrection. This story is right at the top of the list when it comes to strange and fascinating uh, stories, especially about Jesus as he encounters demons and demonstrates the power of God over them. And in this story, they they respect his power for sure. I hope you enjoy this lesson. Thanks for being here to share in it. Let's jump in. Well, we start with Mark 5, 1 through 20. This morning, we're looking at the story of Jesus <coughs> driving out the legion of demons. And so demons and pigs to begin with today. And there's a lot in this story uh, when it comes to trying to understand what's going on in the in-between realm between us and God, where we find angels and demons and the devil and heavenly and dark powers and the spirits of the dead. Uh, So let's uh, let's take uh, a little time if we want to and really dig into this story. We're not going to be in a rush to get through this one because it uh, it is so interesting uh, and has uh, a lot of information for us. So um, Mark 5, starting in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. So there's our uh, demonic presence there, the impure spirit. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. 
a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Mark 5, 1 through 20. Um, let me begin by talking about the location of this story, where, of these events. Uh, verse 20 says this was in the Decapolis. The Decapolis was uh, a region on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Decapolis means uh, 10 cities. So it was a, an area with 10 cities. And this was a mostly Gentile region. So if you were asking yourself, and you probably were, why were there pigs? Jews don't raise pigs. Pigs are unclean for Jews. Yeah, Darlene's nodding. Yeah, Darlene was thinking it. Uh, the reason is this was a largely Gentile uh, area, um, technically outside of, of uh, no, the, the central homeland of Israel. Israelite tribes had lived there a long time and had been part of Israel. But now it was uh, mostly populated by uh, Gentiles. There were probably some Jews there, but I don't know how many. Uh, and so that's why we have uh, pigs there. Uh, let's see, the uh, opening verses, verse one says they went to the region of the Gerasenes. Uh, some, um, some texts, some of the ancient texts say Gadarenes or uh -oh. some say Gergesenes. All that's right around the uh, east side of um, the Sea of Galilee. So all that same area. And so when Jesus tells the man at the end, um, let's see, in verse um, 19, uh, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Uh, he's probably telling the man to go and speak to Gentiles. Um, could be could be Jews. The man could have been Jewish and the people around him may have been Jewish, but probably there were a lot of Gentiles in the region too, especially those pig farmers. Would have been very unlikely for a, a Jew to be a pig farmer. A pig herder, I guess is the technical term. Okay. Uh, tell me what uh, what's caught your interest here in this uh, story or any questions that you have i'd like to know why the man himself could not speak up to hear only of the the um, impure spirit talking constantly it's as if the man had no power over his own body and his own voice mm. until the very end Mm. And that, that concerns me how much power the evil spirit has that might be able to take over a person. Mm -hmm. That is scary, isn't it? Yeah. That he could, uh, he could speak through this man. He could sort of speak over this man. And the man isn't able to speak for himself until the demons are gone. And then he can speak for himself and he wants to go with Jesus. But 
uh, until then, it's, it's only the demons that we hear from. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I caught it as I was listening to the recording and getting it ready to put on um, the podcast uh, uh, yesterday, I think. Um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked about demon possession, and, and I said, um, yeah, it does seem like the demons could take over a person and control them. And, and I think um, I, I had a thought as I listened to myself saying that in the recording. Uh, I think that was true at least some of the time, maybe not all the time. There seem to be uh, some people who the impact of the demon is more uh, a physical malady, like the woman who um, is, is uh, bent over for 18 years. We don't know if a demon was messing with her mind or not. We do know it was messing with her body. And Jesus says that she's been under the control of the devil for 18 years uh, as he's afflicted her with this, uh, you know, this being bent over osteoporosis or, or something totally different. We don't know. Uh, so there may have been times when a demon might have only caused, you know, blindness or muteness or uh, being um, hunched over or being unable to walk or move around. But there are other times when clearly the demon is in control of the person's mind uh, with um you remember there was a young man uh, that the demon uh, controlled and the disciples couldn't drive the demon out. And that demon could cause the, uh, the, the young man or the boy uh, to roll around on the ground, foam at the mouth, go into convulsions, sounds like seizures, maybe epilepsy, something like that. Um, but in this case, uh, the demon, the demons, a, a whole bunch of them, apparently, they control the man's mind. What else do they do to the man? Give him super strength. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's the secret to super strength. So uh, now, now we know how to get super strength if we want it, right? But trust me, it's not <laughs> worth it. Uh, yeah, don't, don't go there. Uh, he's super strong. Verse 3 says uh, no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, which tells us that he was acting crazy. He must have been dangerous because the people had tried to bind him. They couldn't just let him roam free. But they couldn't they couldn't hold him because he would tear the chains apart and break the irons on his feet. Vicky? Um, I also think that um, he was wanting to get rid of what was wrong with him because he knew he bowed down when he saw Jesus coming. So he knew some maybe he could help him. And also him cutting himself or gashing himself with the stones um, on, you know, wherever he did it on his arms or whatever, because people that do that are kind of, they hurt inside, but they want help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so maybe there's something inside this guy that's pleading for help. Yeah. Darling? Yeah, darling. In Catholicism, they claim yet today that when the impure spirit enters a person, they can do the, their little ritual. Is there any place in the Bible I can mark or say that does it still happen today? And, and can they have a power to do that? Do you know where in the Bible I could use that as an answer? I, I don't know of any place in the Bible that says use this ritual and you'll be able to get the demon out. I don't know of anything oh, like that. Oh, the reverse way of saying it. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, I don't, uh, I don't know of any place. Hmm. I, off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of in scripture is that if God gives you the power to cast out demons, you'll be able to. And if he doesn't, you won't. Um, now, I think we can pray 
And in prayer, that might be sufficient because God has given us his spirit to live within us. God hears our prayers. Um, that may be enough. You know, I've heard some people say, in fact, I heard this just the other day. I saw it in a commentary of all things. And I thought, oh, man, it's a commentary that I, I know the, the writer uh, sometimes um, isn't as careful as he should be with the text of scripture, but sometimes he has brilliant thoughts. So I still go ahead and, and look at his commentary. Uh, but he said, and I've heard this elsewhere too, if you know the demon's name, you can cast it out. And I think that idea comes from this story because uh, Jesus asks the demon, what is your name? And the demon says, my name is Legion for we are many. That's in verse nine. Uh, and people use that to say, well, if you know the demon's name, you can force it to come out in the name of Jesus. And I just, I, I don't think that's what this story is saying. And there's no other place in scripture that even gives the name of the demon, uh, let alone, you know, says that if you know its name, you have power over it. Uh, and in fact, I don't think at all that Jesus is asking the demon its name because he doesn't know it or because uh, he needs to know it in order to have the power to cast out the demon. I don't think that for a second. I think he wants his disciples who are with him to uh, understand that there are a lot of demons in this man. Uh, I suspect that he asks the demon's name for that reason. Yeah. So, so Darlene, I, uh, if, uh, if I needed to try to cast out a demon, all I would know to do is pray. That's it. Yeah. yeah I don't know any ritual that'll, that'll work, but Richard might know of a good ritual. What do you think, no, Richard? No, I don't. Know. I don't know of a good ritual. If you look at demons as being a spiritual thing, yeah. Get thee behind me, Satan. We know his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I am not ready to say that this would cover every example that Christ has given us of what he did. But, but it's it's the that and prayer are the two biggest things that we have, so that. It should not be on our mind that this is going to happen to us. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, good. Well said. Anybody yeah. else? Georgia? Well, I, I was just thinking it, in the things that I've kind of listened to and learned, I don't think a demon can come in to a person unaware. Hmm. And I think that as long as the Christian holds faith to their holds to their faith in Christ, yeah. it can't, mm -hmm. you know, and um, Christ is the one that has the power to get rid of the demon, mm -hmm. nobody else. And he can give that power to people that that he believes can handle it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing to remember that it's a gift from, from God to be able to do that. Mm. Mm, well said. Yeah, well said. This power belongs entirely to Christ and he can give it to his servants as he pleases um, according to his wisdom. Yeah. Uh, as far as um, can a demon come into a person without that person knowing it or permitting it, something like that. Uh, I think you're exactly right. When you're talking about a, a Christian, someone in whom the spirit of God lives, I don't know how a demon can get in if the spirit of God's in there. You know, if, if God's spirit lives in us, as, as the New Testament says he does, uh, how could a demon ever penetrate, you know, that defense? That is the ultimate defense. Now, in the stories of Jesus, uh, we know of some children who had uh, demons uh, possessing them. 
so I wouldn't want to say that outside of Christ, um, you know, you'd have to invite the demon in or invite the devil in or something like that, because how could a, a small child do that? Um, but we have, we have a couple of stories of, of demon possession in children and Jesus drives out the demon and the child's healed. Um, so a demon may have the power to take over a person without their permission, you know, uh, but for a, uh, for a Christian, um, uh, for a, even, I, I would think this is you know, speculation on my part, but I would think even for a child who is, uh, kind of, a in the community of the church, who isn't old enough yet to make that commitment to Christ, um, and uh, be filled with the Holy spirit. Uh, I would think that, that God would, you know, also extend his protection over them as part of his, uh, church family. Um, so interesting stuff. Let's go back uh, a few verses here. Let's, um, let's work through this story a little bit and let me know when you have more thoughts and, and questions. So the man lived in the tombs. Uh, so his impure spirit has driven him to go live in an impure place. Uh, he cannot be bound anymore, not even with a chain. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse four says, and uh, verse five, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. And as Vicky pointed out, he would cut himself with stones, which may be a cry for help. Uh, he is suffering. He is not happy in his condition, uh, clearly. Then uh, when he saw Jesus, look at what he did. He ran to Jesus. He didn't run away, probably because there was no point. Um, how is he going to, how are these demons going to get away from the influence of Jesus? I think is what is what's probably going through the, the demons minds. So he, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Um, so either the demons are running to Jesus to beg for mercy, or the man is in enough control of himself that he runs to Jesus to get help, in which case he must know some, something about who Jesus is. But clearly the demons know who Jesus is because the man, they caused the man to shout at the top of his voice in verse seven, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God in God's name, don't torture me. Uh, because Jesus had already said to him, apparently, verse eight, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Uh, and so the spirit cries out, don't torture me. Um, so does Jesus torture demons? Um, what do you think of that line? How do you make sense of that? The, the demon cries out, don't torture me. Yeah, he can completely destroy them. And he knows the power of Christ already. So mm -hmm. yes, he I think they're very, he's very fearful of him. So he must know that the pain that God can give him or Christ can give him. Definitely. Yeah. He's he, the demon is quite familiar with Jesus, right? Yeah. Knows exactly what Jesus is able to do. Yeah. Knows Jesus authority and power. And, and he is, uh, <laughs> he's been caught, I guess you'd say. Uh, and he's, uh, so he pleads, uh, kind of pleads for mercy in, in God's name. Don't touch me. Don't torture me. Isn't that interesting that a demon would appeal to the name of God in God's name? Don't torture me. He's trying to put Jesus under oath, you know, sort of swear by God's name that you won't torture me. Jesus doesn't agree to that, by the way. One of the biggest answers we can give a person when they claim to be such great Christians and we know <coughs> not, we can always say, yes, even even evil, even Satan believes in God. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so 
you can't use that as an excuse. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's like that line in James. Uh, I'll find it here real fast. Uh, James 2. Um, here we go. Show, uh, James 2, 18 and 19. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. That's and right. shudder you know, they're terrified of god but they don't change their lives right they don't they don't turn back to god they still disobey him uh luke 8 verse 31 is interesting in the uh, for the conversation about uh what kind of torture might this uh bunch of demons be afraid of uh so luke 8 31 it's the same story and uh, it says, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. What is the abyss? You remember that one from the our study of Revelation? I know of is Revelation. Yeah. What happens in that abyss? Or what's it about? It's the place of confinement. Mm -hmm. from God. Yeah, this is the place where uh, uh, demons and uh, you know demonic creatures or beings are are kept uh, and held confined. There's a lock over it. Uh, I don't know if it's a physical lock. It doesn't matter. Probably not. Anyway, God knows how to shut these these beings, powerful beings, in. Uh, and it's a place where they don't want to go and they don't want to be. And in Revelation, in one of the visions, uh, some of the beings are let, let out to come and uh, do harm to the earth as God's bringing punishment on the wicked. He lets these demonic creatures out to bring that harm on the wicked on earth. Uh, this bunch of demons doesn't want to go there. Uh, they are afraid of it. They don't like it, something like that. And in Luke's account, they beg Jesus repeatedly, not just once, but repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And they have, uh, they have another option for Jesus. Here in Mark 5, verse 10, uh, they beg Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Uh, we'll talk about what option they give to Jesus in a second. But first, um, in verse 9, when Jesus asks, what is your name? Uh, the man replies, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a legion was uh, thousands of troops. Um, the numbers varied, could be uh, six, eight, ten, I think even 12,000 Roman troops in a Roman legion. Uh, but it wasn't, all, it wasn't always the maximum uh, number. It depended on the situation of that legion. Uh, but it's a lot of demons. I, and I don't know if the man had five demons or 20 or 1,000 or 10,000 or what. I mean, who knows? I don't even know how that works. How can multiple demons possess one person i don't know but they can apparently and they did with this poor man uh and um these demons begged jesus not to send them out of the area so where they want to go instead uh what, what they suggest to jesus is that he send them among the herd of pigs feeding on the nearby hillside the demons uh they have been living in the tombs uh through this this man they've kept there and uh, an unclean place. 
And now they want to go among unclean animals, animals that are unclean for Jews to eat. And so they, uh, they beg Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gives them permission. Interesting that they had to have permission. Otherwise, they couldn't do it, uh, at least not with Jesus there. And uh, the impure spirits, according to verse 13, come out and go into the pigs and the herd, about 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of pigs rushes down the steep bank into the lake, into the Sea of Galilee, and are drowned. There are some places in that area, uh, even today, where there are some uh, fairly steep drop-offs from the hill uh, down into the water. And apparently they ran one, down one of those steep uh, drop-offs into the water and were drowned. Now, I had, uh, I had someone ask me a few years ago, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, why would Jesus do this to the pigs? Uh, doesn't Jesus care about animals? Why, you know, didn't Jesus say that not a sparrow falls down to the ground without uh, uh, your father in heaven knowing about it? Um, why would Jesus do this to the poor pigs? What do you think? I'm waiting for someone else to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, greed is the only thing that some people believe in. And with 2,000 pigs gone, why, the whole city and state then would know about it, as far as that's concerned. That's what's going through my mind. But mm -hmm. again, I'd like to hear somebody else say something. Well, the demons, the oh. demons said, send us into the pigs. Yeah. And I guess he figured his... Oh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but um, his kindness to the to the demons allowed them to go into the pigs, knowing probably that they would kill themselves, and then that the demons would be released to go back to the abyss or somewhere else. Yeah, or somewhere else, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't know where they went after the pigs die. Where did the demons go? I have no idea. Uh, we're not. We're just not told. Yeah. I think it was to show God's power. Say that again, Mary Jo? I think it was just to show that he had the power to do it. Okay. And as a visual aid for the people that were around. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So the lives of the pigs may have been worth spending uh, in order to persuade the local people of the power of God at work in Jesus. Would that kind of be what you're saying, Mary Jo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could buy that. Could I sidetrack for a minute on that? Sure. Um, years ago, there was an article in one of the Christian teacher magazines about 50,000 wasted pork chops. <laughs> someone figured that there was 25 pork chops to a pig, and there's 2,000 pigs. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's a that's a lot of food for the community. That's a lot of income for the uh, pig herders. And no wonder uh, when we get to the end of the story. Um, let's uh, see here. Um, verse seventeen. Uh, no wonder the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. You know what's going to happen to their economy if Jesus stays. 
They're going to lose all their pigs, you know? Uh, they're scared. And Jesus obviously has spiritual power beyond anything that they've ever witnessed. You know, they've known this man that lives out in the tombs and they see what happens to him. Um, verse 14 says those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. And so news got around really fast. I mean, Jesus hadn't left the area when the people came and saw Jesus in verse 15 and saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he's sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. This was scary to them. They didn't know what to make of this. Um, this is power that they cannot control, this power of Jesus. And it's, it's frightening. Um, and then those who had seen what had happened told the people about it, um, what happened to the demon-possessed man, and what happened to the pigs as well. And, and then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. I mean, that, what's going to happen to all their herds, their flocks, their crops, their businesses if Jesus stays? You know, this is, this is scary. It's glorious, it's good, but it's because of what happens to the man, but it's uh, scary too. And so the people, uh, people ask Jesus to leave. Um, when we uh, encounter spiritual warfare, sometimes it's a very encouraging experience because uh, God helps us, he rescues us, and we're thrilled. And that's what we see in the demon-possessed man once he's healed. He wants to stay with Jesus. Um, because he's very grateful, of course, and he's um, probably feels safer around Jesus, frankly, uh, than he would anywhere else. Um, but sometimes it's scary, too, because you see God at work powerfully, and um, sometimes that that makes you think, I'm, I'm not so sure I want to be this close to that kind of power. Think of how the church felt when Ananias and Sapphira suddenly died in Acts chapter 5. Here they lie to, uh, they try to lie to God, they lie to, the, to Peter, they lie to the church, um, and suddenly they are struck dead, first Ananias, and then about three hours later, his wife, Sapphira. Um, and it, Luke says right after that, that the whole church was uh, afraid, fear filled the whole church, um, because they had just witnessed the power of God to judge two people, and it was, it was very frightening. Um, so uh, spiritual warfare is a, a powerful and sometimes scary thing. Uh, of course, the church then had a time of peace and it grew, uh, because the people, um, honored the power of God, the, the church honored the power of God and obeyed him. And, uh, when we obey God, his church thrives, uh, and it did there. So then, yes, Richard. Mm -hmm. Yes. Kind of an interesting statement, and don't know that it means much, but we say that we tend to say that Christ sent them into the pigs. Yes. But what it actually says was in in the version I'm reading, so I'd be interested in what under version she said say that the demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. And Coleman says he gave them permission to go. Didn't tell them they ah. had. To. Ah, hey, that's interesting. He gives them permission, but he doesn't send. He doesn't force them to go into the pigs. He just forces them to come out of the man. Right. Interesting. Interesting. 
and they chose to go into the pigs. Then. Now, I don't know what other translations say. Mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what. Yeah, that's how the NIV takes it. He gave them permission, yeah. Anybody else have, have something different in the translation you're looking at? Uh, looking at verse um, 13. and 13 yeah 13 especially mm -hmm. he gave them permission yeah okay yeah jesus gives them permission and they they go they come out of the man they go into the pigs and uh man this this guy's uh his life is refreshed he's changed um apparently to god to jesus it's worth it. The life lives of 2000 pigs are worth the rescuing and the freedom of this one uh, human being, uh, which reminds us that um, people are more important to God than animals. Now animals are important too, because God created them and, and he uh, enjoys them, but uh, animals are not made in God's image and animals are not considered by God to be his children. We are considered to be his children. And so uh, we're even more important to God than the animals, um, which is a reminder for our culture, you know, in, in a culture that sometimes uh, will value the lives of, of animals over humans every once in a while. It's a reminder that uh, God doesn't see it that way. To God, humans are more um, important, more valuable, even than animals. What do you mean? I'm sorry, what do you mean that some people think that animals are more important? I'm just curious. Yeah, uh, so I, I've heard some, they're kind of bizarre stories, and I hope they stay that way. Um, I heard a story out of the Northeast, uh, maybe Boston, maybe that area, where um, someone was trying to bring uh, a case to court um, in which they would defend the human rights of a gorilla. Or maybe it was a chimpanzee. I can't remember. It was one of the higher primates, um, trying to say that that these animals have have the same rights as humans, uh, the right to happiness and uh, justice and um, you know proper care and this and that. Um, it's really a really a bizarre situation. Um, you, you might have you know you have times when people kind of lean toward. Uh, these these would be fairly extreme people still today um, might lean toward uh, we've got to do everything we can to save the whales, save the um, the owls, save you know this or that animal, whatever animal they are concerned about at the moment. I uh, almost even at the cost of human life. And anytime somebody starts leading that direction, leaning that direction a little bit. Uh, it makes me a little nervous because God does value the lives of humans over animals. Not that we should be flippant about the lives of animals either, uh, because they are right. God's creation. Genesis they belong to us. That. Mm -hmm. We're right? to care Genesis for the animals. We're, we're, yeah. uh, it tells us that we're to rule over the animals, which does not mean just do whatever you want with them. It means take care of them for right. God to whom they belong. Yeah. Yeah. Richard, did you have a thought? Well, my thought is everything that was created by God was created for the benefit of his creation. Yes. But there was a politician about 20 years ago, a well-known politician that made the statement, and I think he was just trying to prove a point, really, that the world would be better off if all humans were dead. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now he was talking about the welfare of the earth. Mm-hmm. The plants and the animals. Yeah. Yeah. One, you know, the, the other side, you know, so I, I take, I have two, two sides, two feelings about this, um, this issue of um, humans versus nature and where, you know, which one are we to value more, which one are we to be more concerned about? Uh, one side is scripture clearly says, I, I think this story is an example of it. Uh, human lives are more uh, important to God, more valuable to God than the lives of animals. And so Jesus is willing to spend 2000 pigs to save this one man. But at the same time, there's a line in Revelation, I'll see if I can track it down here real fast, um, that warns us against doing uh, destruction to God's creation. Here it is. Revelation 11, I'll start in verse 16, read down to verse 18. And the very last line is the most important one. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small. And then here's that key line. And for destroying those who destroy the earth. Uh, Part of what that says to me is when people are reckless with the earth and when we continually do damage to it out of selfishness or, uh, you know, greed or, or just a desire to do whatever we want to do with God's creation, uh, God will judge us for that. Um, God will judge human beings for that. And so, you know, there's a big battle in our culture and really around the world right now about climate change and whether it's human caused, whether it's not, uh, what we should do about it. Should we cut back on our carbon footprint? Should we charge people for how much carbon they're putting in the atmosphere? Things like that. Okay, I don't have a lot of wisdom about the science behind all that because that's not my field of expertise. Uh, So I'm, I'm listening to those who do have that expertise and I'm trying to learn. Uh, but in principle, Christians need to be some of the first people to stand up and say, uh, we're going to do what we can to take care of our environment, to take care of our planet, because we, this is our stewardship. This is our responsibility from God. And we understand that God will one day uh, destroy those who destroy the earth. Uh, if we wreck his creation, uh, we will be held accountable for that uh, before God. Um, so uh, important for us to uh, to just keep that in mind, I think, and just think about it. Um, so that I'm getting all that from uh, <laughs> going going off down that rabbit trail uh, because of the uh, the 2,000 pigs uh, that died, and yet you know, so we we need to care for the earth, care for the creatures God has placed upon it, that sort of thing, uh, manage them wisely. But uh, this man's life is still worth 2,000 pigs' lives in Jesus eyes. And, and we need to remember that too. Uh, speaking of that man, just to wrap up the, the story here, as Jesus is getting into the boat in verse 18, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. He probably feels safer around Jesus, as I mentioned a minute ago, but maybe he also wants to be one of Jesus followers. I mean, I think I would if, if Jesus had done this sort of thing for me, but Jesus doesn't let him come. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so I think two things Jesus is aiming for there. One where he says, 
go home to your own people. He wants this man to reconnect with society. This man has been driven away from his family, his community, the people who love him, um, mom and dad, if they're still living. And it, Jesus wants him to go home and reconnect. But then in his reconnecting, Jesus also wants him to uh, become a witness to his community, to his family, to his people of what God has done for him and how God has had mercy on him. Uh, and so this man has a great testimony to share with, uh, with others, which reminds us when God does uh, great things for us, he wants us to tell people and not just, not just keep it to ourselves, um, but, but tell people and uh, let that have an impact on their lives, not only on our life. Uh, and so Jesus sends this man back home and he becomes a missionary, you might say, or an evangelist maybe. Uh, to tell people about what God has done for him. And so the man does it in verse 20. He went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Uh, and all the people were amazed uh, by that. So fascinating story and uh, lots, of, lots of dimensions of, okay, what, how do demons possess people? How can lots of demons possess a person? Uh, what's this about demons being afraid of being tortured by Jesus? Um, you know, they don't want to be judged any more than anybody else does. They know what will happen to them when they are. Anything that we didn't cover in there that you wanted to bring up or that you had a question about? I have a question. Go ahead, Zay. <laughs> How come the demons didn't drown? <laughs> Did they not bow? What a great question. I never thought about that. Wow. Do they not die? Can't you get rid of them? Physically? That's a good question. I do not know. Well, what do you think, Richard? I don't know. We need Christ here to explain some of this stuff to us. Yes. Right. Okay. He sent the spirits among the pigs or into the pigs. Did they go among the swine or did they go into the swine? Okay. I don't have my, my, my Greek Bibles upstairs. It's not right here with me. So I can't look at it, but I'm, I'm guessing that the word there is, is ace. E-I-S is how we would spell it in English. And it can mean into or among either one. Uh, in the NIV, whoops, let me go back here a little bit. Um, verse 13 says he gave them well, permission. Only among, they didn't have to go to the that could be, yeah. The NIV says the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. But then again, does that mean that they went into the herd, like in proximity with the herd and scared all the pigs and the pigs ran down into the water? Or does it mean they actually uh, possessed the pigs and caused them to run down into the water? I don't do, know, Richard. Can demons exist on their own or do they have to be inside something? Yeah. That's a good question, too. You know, Jesus said in a passage we looked at recently, when a demon comes out of a person, it travels around through arid places, seeking a new home or a place to rest, and finally not finding anything, it gathers seven other demons worse than itself and then goes back into the person it came out of, and that person's worse off than they were before. So that makes me think they can exist outside of a person, um, at least for a while, but maybe they're not happy there. Or maybe they have work the devil wants them to do and they can't do it there. I had never really thought that through before, Richard. I appreciate you bringing up the question. Well, I, 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 am, I am asking a question. I sure don't have an answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And if the word can mean either one, I mean, I can see this picture both ways. All of, all of a sudden these demons are inside the pigs themselves and the pigs run off or I can see them having a field day as, as they're outside the pigs and chasing towards the sea. Yeah, yeah. And, and I certainly do not know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't either. Now that was a good thought. <laughs> yes, it is a good thought. And you know, it leads me to another thought, Zay. I was just thinking, um, why would the demons want to go into the pigs? Well, one, one possibility, Richard just brought it up. Uh, they need to possess somebody. And so if they can't possess this man, uh, let us possess the, the pigs. But then that doesn't work out very well because the pigs are all dead within a few minutes. Um, it may be that they try to persuade Jesus to let them go into the pigs so that they can kill off all the pigs and make Jesus look bad in the eyes of the pig herders and the, the local people. And Jesus is willing to, um, to let them do so because what he's going to do for this man is worth it. And this man's testimony is going to be greater than the people's concern about the pigs. Um, so, so from Jesus perspective, you know, that's, that might be a good bargain, a good deal, even though it's going to cost them 2000 pigs. And also, you know, Jesus as a Jew, he probably has no love lost on pigs, you know, yeah. <laughs> true. Any other thoughts or questions on this, this text? Isn't this an amazing story? Um, I've been waiting for us to get to it because it's just, just amazing. <laughs> you brought up the pigs again. Mm -hmm. I've been fighting that all my life because I'm trying to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesus didn't like pigs. <laughs> well, they keep telling me, darling, don't you dare eat a pork chop. You know God condemned them. <laughs> Darling, don't bring us any pork. Yeah. He said, Jesus, I think Jesus liked those little pigs. <laughs> he said everything is, he made everything pure under the sun. That's right. That right in the New Testament. Exactly right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I uh, like pork. Don't condemn that pork. I like pork. <laughs> yeah, you're, um, you know, I, I'm just saying as a Jew, he, he probably didn't eat, you know, he didn't eat pig. He didn't eat pork right. chops um, because that was unclean for Jews. And he did follow the Jewish law, yeah. but he also uh, led his people beyond the Jewish law. Right. So yeah. Darlene, the, the big uh, Bible verse for you is um, Mark seven yeah. verses 18 and 19. So if you're taking notes, write that one down, Mark seven, 18 and 19. And Jesus says there, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And then Mark tells us in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Mm -hmm. And so um, God bless our friends who are Seventh-day Adventists. But uh, one thing they get wrong is they forget that Jesus himself, who is greater than Moses, right? God gave Moses the law to give to Israel. And that's where the law is about. Don't eat pig, you know, all right. Uh, but Jesus is even greater than Moses. And Jesus said, uh, all foods are clean now uh, because that's not what defiles a person. And God's not going to take that into consideration anymore. And the reason Jesus said that is because he wanted Gentiles to be in his church too, and not just Jews. And that law about don't eat pork, that was just, that was just for Jews. Yeah. Okay. 
Any last thoughts on this text? All right. I see we're a few minutes after 11. I would like to, well, let me see. Do we need to do this? This one other. No, we'll save the next one for, for next time. Okay. Yeah, that'll be fine. It'll go just fine with the, with the passages after it. We'll start in John 5, 25 next time. Just one little verse, but with really interesting implications. Uh, and it gets us into um, the situation of the spirits of the dead before the resurrection. Uh, and so we'll take a look at that next time. So John 5.25 is where we'll pick up next time. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close up for today. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? Okay. All right. Well, in that case, uh, let's pray together. Richard, would you lead us in prayer to, to close up? Sure. Okay. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity that we've had to meet with our loved ones to study a portion of your word. We know that there are things in scripture that that test us, that that we don't know exact answers to, but, but we also know that if it has to do with our soul salvation, you supply the answer. We pray that we would always be willing to study and learn and to learn from one another, to listen to different viewpoints knowing that it is a combination of putting us all together that strengthens us. We pray that you would be with all those that need our prayers for any reason, whatever the sickness is, whether physical or spiritual, that it might be removed. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen.